let's start the word of god today so this past few uh weeks i think i've emphasized a lot on serving the lord and i don't know fully what god has in store really for the next few years for the body of christ but one thing is certain there is a call from the spirit of god for service there's a call for the spirit of, by the spirit of god to actually for many people to get engaged in um in the work of the lord now every believer has a calling write that down that's deep <laughs> doesn't get deeper than that <laughs> every believer has a calling that's something you must understand god has called you in other words there is an assignment and a purpose to which we are born into are we together there is an assignment and a purpose which you are born into life is not all about just looking for money let me say it again life is not all about just looking for money because that's what most people have reduced it to it's like you're fighting you're fighting against you against poverty in life when you win <laughs> the whole world will know that we've won against poverty so life is beyond you fighting against uh, luck or any of these things. God can't reduce himself to bringing down people in this world just so they can just look for money and die. Don't you think there's a bigger purpose to life than that? You know, sometimes I listen to certain people. I'm a professional, right? And something, I remember one time someone sat me down before I went to law school. Someone sat me down and they told me about how when you are pursuing a career, it's not all about the money, da, da, da. I told me, honestly, for me, I went in it for the money. <laughs> I wasn't going to lie to them. I said, look, I became a lawyer for the money <laughs> because <laughs> I needed it <laughs> for the calling that God has for me. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know why, why you're pursuing whatever you're pursuing. Go ahead with, <laughs> with whatever reasons you have. It's really, really okay. If you just have the passion, <laughs> just be passionate about it, eh? <laughs> Go for it. That's between you and your God. For me, um, the only thing I do that I don't do for money is ministry. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I do. I don't. I, I, I could do this forever without ever getting a penny for it. Mm -hmm. Really, that's me. Mm -hmm. However, I don't know about what God has called you to. Usually, you'll get to notice your assignment by some of the things that God has pressed on your heart. For me, what God has pressed on my heart is people. I love it when people are progressing, when people are going forward, when people, um, when people generally are being helped. For me, that's one of my biggest joys. I just love it like that. Now, when, because God has called you for a purpose and an assignment, it means you must come to a place where you live. You don't just live for yourself. You have a bigger reason as to why you live. You have a bigger reason as to why, why, why do you do what you do? It's a question you have to ask yourself. The things that I do, why do I do them? You understand, right? The things I do, why do I do them? Because some people can go to great heights to do certain things. The height to which they can go is just shocking. They can betray anyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, they can swindle anyone, even their pastor. <laughs> but I swindle him, like, ah, 
It's a business. They're just in business opportunities in everyone. You understand, right? So, <laughs> there are people, you have to ask yourself, the things that you do, why do you do it? Why do you pray? Why do you pray? Why do you give if you're a giver? If you love dancing for the Lord, why do you dance? You understand, right? When you have the why to something, and then you, you, you have, it's very important because your motive is always key as to why you're doing everything I do. We're getting somewhere. So you have to live for a bigger cause. You have to live for a bigger assignment, really, in this world. So you just can't center your life around just uh, your business deals and everything. I'll tell you this. If, <laughs> I know some people are even here. They are believers. If someone told them, I'll give you all the money in this world, just never attend church, they will stop. <laughs> They're like, church between me and God, it's about the heart. <laughs> I know I just said, mm -hmm. I know that some of you in here, you just can't admit. If someone just gave you all the finances you ever required in this world. <laughs> One time I remember, I think I've shared this before. And for me, this what, when I was younger, it's what made me actually decide to pursue a, a, a genuine relationship with God. One time, a pastor asked us a question in church when I was younger. He, say, he asked us, say, if God decided, or rather appeared to the whole world, and decided to say, whatever, whatever it is that you do in this world, doesn't matter. You can do anything. You will still make it to heaven. I've, I've, I've gotten rid of hell. Question is, would you still live for him? Or you're living right because you're afraid of hell? It got me thinking, because in that moment I was honest, I was like, Ish, I, I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you get the point, right? I was honest with myself in that moment. And genuinely, because I, I, I realized I wasn't born again. I realized, so look, I think I don't do certain things just because I'm afraid of God. I don't love him. I'm just afraid of him. I'm afraid of what he can do to me. <laughs> so it made me sit down and think, why do I do what I do? If I choose to live right, who am I doing it for? Am I just afraid of God? Do you know that when the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, it's not talking about being scared of God. God doesn't want to be scared. They want you to be scared of him. No. He doesn't want that. Otherwise, People like Moses wouldn't have told God to repent of his anger. <laughs> Moses first got to tell God, repent of your anger. <laughs> no fear, eh? <laughs> you just face God. So generally, okay, before I go all over the place, let's go to Ephesians. So there's a higher cause, there's a greater cause, there's a, there's a, there's a bigger reason as to why you must leave. You... You, you must have a sense of purpose. And that's what I was trying to teach you even on Wednesday when we were online. You must have a sense of purpose, a sense of assignment. You don't just live because, you see, you don't just wake up just and then live your life just according to how, how you've planned it. How has God actually planned your life? The place where you are at. Is it God who actually led you there? Are we together? I said Ephesians, right? Ephesians chapter number four, verse 11 a very powerful portion of scripture. 
Ephesians chapter number 4, verse 11. The Bible says, And he himself, talking about Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. That means Jesus has actually ordained certain people in his body uh, to be apostles, to be prophets, to be evangelists, to be pastors, and some to be teachers. So there are people, and sometimes I get to wonder when I hear certain people talk about how we don't have prophets in this generation. I think people are lost. You know, it's, just, it's a crazy mindset to think like that. Because the Bible clearly shows you here that God has actually called some to be in this office. Amen. Yeah, so there are some. So you, we genuinely have prophets in this generation. Amen. Amen. <laughs> they are there. <laughs> Whether you like them or you don't like them. <laughs> they are there. So, it goes on to say, well, in Ephesians 4, I read verse 11. Now, verse, verse um, 12 is our focus. So, the reason why he gave some to be prophets, teachers, pastors, and everything, verse 12 is, what, is the reason. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. You can pause there first. So it says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. The perfect rendering there is in the King James. It says, for the perfecting. If you're using the King James, that's what it says, right? Yeah. If you're using the King James, it says, for the, for the perfecting. The reason why equipping there is wrong is because... Uh, the man of God doesn't equip the believer. The Spirit of God equips. Are we together? It means all the tools you have to serve God are given to you by the Spirit of God, not by man. So it says, he gave some to be apostles, uh, prophets, evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. It says, for the equipping or for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. So now, when you look at this scripture, it shows you that actually, the people who are called for ministry are actually the saints. Let's go. Let's see it again. For the equipping or for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry. That means God gives you a pastor in order to train you for ministry. Are you listening? God puts shepherds over you in order to train you for ministry. So it means it's actually the believer who is called into ministry, not necessarily the shepherd. Look at your neighbor, tell them I have a calling in ministry. <laughs> Look at them and tell them I have a calling in ministry. <laughs> the reason why you think you're not called in ministry is because you don't know how to rightly define ministry. You think ministry is standing on the pulpit and preaching. <laughs> This is just part of it. This is just part of it. So, every believer has been called into ministry. That means every believer actually has a ministry they're supposed to fulfill. Amen. Amen. Every believer, let's go to Colossians, before we'll go back. Colossians 4, 17, are we there? Can be louder. Are we there? Yes, Pastor. Colossians 4 17. Let's read it together. One, two, three, go. Read it together. One, two, three, go. 
<laughs> That's Akipas, not over reading. Just Akipas, let's go. <laughs> Say to who? <laughs> I'm hearing different things here. <laughs> Gods. <laughs> let's go. One, two, three, go. Say to Akibas, uh-huh. take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, mm-hmm. that you may fulfill it. That means this ministry God has called you to, that your pastor is supposed to equip or perfect you to, you actually receive it in the Lord, not in man. Wow. It's received in the Lord. In other words, you can't have ministry outside the Lord. That means if, if you feel that there is something you have to do in this world and it's outside Christ, it's not from God. You can have ambitions to fulfill certain things on your own. But then the thing that you're supposed to fulfill, you must take heed that you fulfill it. Do you know why you must fulfill it? Because the things that God has actually called you to, they are the things that, that you have to that you be answerable to. You can't be answerable to something God didn't give you. The man who was given five talents couldn't account for 15 talents because God never gave him 15. It's what he received from God that he had to be accountable for. Are we together? So there is ministry that you have to do while you are in this world. Ask your neighbor, how do you serve God? Let them answer you. Not just as a rhetorical question. In what way do they serve God? (laughs) Let them answer you. In what way do they serve him? I'm seeing seeing neighbors not talking. (laughs) praise God so you actually have an assignment you have a purpose you must have a reason as to why you are doing what you are doing you must know that at the end of the journey you must actually account for it and you see I I remember teaching someone this maybe it was in a group of people I taught them to say um when it comes to life, generally, okay, if you're in school and they're given an assignment, there's just a deadline, right? And you must be done with the assignment by that deadline, right? Yeah, that, that means you can afford to relax knowing that the deadline is the next two weeks. Or if it's the next few hours, you know that you want to relax. You work and labor certain way, right? Now, think about it. You don't know the deadline for the assignment God gave you. It could be any time. So you must be ready to account for every assignment God has given you. Hmm. So it means if you are relaxed and then the deadline just comes. For example, if the church is ruptured now, what will you account for? If right now the Jesus says, look, rapture, we're coming. <laughs> we go. <laughs> Whether you will go or not, we don't know. But <laughs> that is between you and God, your relationship with the Lord. But then the, the real question now is, if that happens, what exactly are you going to account for? You see, you must move. Let me, let me talk to you as your pastor now. You must move. And I think this one I'm not talking to everyone. There are some who are safe. Others are not. <laughs> you must move from just being. Okay, let me put it this way. We have two kinds of believers. Well, even in here and just generally. There are those believers whom at the end of the journey, they are looking forward to the rewards that God will give them. There are others who are just hoping they will make it. <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> Maybe you didn't hear. <laughs> Believers who at the end of the journey, 
They are looking forward. They are looking forward to meeting Jesus and the rewards that he will give them because of how they served him. The others are just hoping, if only I, I just make it. When they see him, they won't care about the rewards. They just want to make it. <laughs> Let's just enter heaven, Lord. We can discuss other things later. As long as we've just entered. Now, you must move from a point where you're just desiring to make it to actually serving God and looking forward to the things that God has for you. There is a higher... See, there is, I always tell you this. There is, there is more to prayer than asking God for mercy. If your prayer always starts with asking God for forgiveness, there's something wrong. Let me say it again. If your prayer always starts with asking God for forgiveness, then there's something wrong. Because you can't ask for forgiveness if you didn't do anything. You know what you did. Let's say asking for mercy. We sin knowingly and unknowingly. How can you sin unknowingly? No, how can you sin and you don't know? How are just jokes of prayers I hear? And sometimes there are those who actually ask for forgiveness when they wake up. What are you doing in your sleep? <laughs> and that's waking up, Lord, forgive us. <laughs> for what? No, for what? <laughs> for what? No, some actually it's because they've not been taught correctly. That's why they can pray like that. But if you wake up and you know the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what are you asking God for forgiveness for? That's a story for another day. <laughs> Says so for the for the perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry. That means you actually have ministry to do. And then the second uh, reason why God decided to call pastors and prophets and everyone else say, and says, for the edifying, have you seen that? Why in, why, why, why in Ephesians chapter number four, this is verse 12, says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That means the moment God gives you a shepherd, it means you're supposed to be edified. That means when you come to church, you must make up your mind, I'm going to be edified where I'm going. Praise God. To be edified means to be built up. Amen. To be increased. That means you are not the same. When you sit under the ministry of the word of God and you are being taught, you can't live the same way. It's not possible. Praise God. And then it says, and then it says till we all come to the unity of the faith. Hallelujah. And then it says, uh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. <laughs> it's talking about accurate knowledge, meaning, meaning you interact with the knowledge of the Son of God. You don't just know the Son of God just from your head. I know Jesus. No. Have you actually interacted with this person called Jesus? And then he says, <laughs> uh, to a perfect man. Hallelujah. That means maturity. Perfect. Maturity. Perfect means maturity. That means, that means you must not be a child. Maturity. <laughs> says to a perfect man. Says to the perfect, says to, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's a big assignment. <laughs> Have you seen that? Yes. That's the goal. To the measure of the state of the fullness of Christ. That means when people look at you, they must be able to see the fullness of Christ. That's the goal. That's the goal. You see, that's why you come to church. Church is not just for encouragement. No, we feel good. 
You go back and you just go back and just, no. So you see, there must be maturity of the faith. Your inner man must be built up. You understand, right? Yes, and then when you go down, verse 14 says, that we should no longer be children. <laughs> that we should no longer be children. Children are adorable, but I don't think any of us wants to be like them. <laughs> as adorable as they may look, they are not necessarily the smartest of people. <laughs> they are smart for their age. <laughs> you understand, right? Yes. How we should no longer be children. Now, how do you know a child? By how they behave. By how they talk. How they think. Sometimes when you, when you hear a question from a child, you just laugh. <laughs> you don't know how to answer them, you just laugh. And one of the ways in which you know, if it's a toddler especially, a child puts everything they found in their mouth. Whatever, as long as they just find it there, right? That's why if you have a baby in the house, you ensure they don't put anything else anywhere. Because you know the moment they find it, it will go straight in their mouth. Right? Yes. That's how it is even with spiritual children. Whatever sermon they find on YouTube, they just listen. As long as it sounds deep, it's just, for them, they just consume. Not everything is meant for you to eat. No, not everything is meant for Sometimes that's how, I, that's how I see it. Sometimes when someone comes to me with questions and I can tell, I, I can even tell who they've been listening to. <laughs> Praise God. Yes, that we should no longer be children. That means God, I want you to be a child forever. There comes a time when you have to grow up and actually become mature. Are we together? Yes. You have to become mature. There has to be maturity as a believer. And we know maturity by responsibility. I've always told you that. We know maturity by responsibility. As you grow, you realize that you, be you become responsible. Praise God. Yes. There was a time when your parents were responsible for buying you clothes. Now, even if you're in their house, when they're in town, they don't think about you. They don't think about buying you that cachet. That, that, that cachet. They, don't, they may look at it and they just pass. They know that you're a grown, you're a grown up now. You have to buy your own clothes. <laughs> now you become responsible over your own hairstyles and your own hair, whatever it is you do. Your own haircuts for, for, for guys. You, you now begin to take yourself to the barber shop. They come to the point when you can't go to your price and need money for your haircut. <laughs> You just not ah, uh, and then you know the funny thing they don't tell you now you've grown that age. You just feel it. <laughs> <laughs> you just not ah. Uh. <laughs> I can't go there anymore. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Maturity. You have to be. You have to be mature. How long are you going? How long are people going to be praying for you? When are you going to be the one to actually carry people in prayer? For how long are people going to pray for you to be a strong Christian? Lord, that, that, that Christ may be formed in him. How come he doesn't even form? You're interceding for five years, two years. How come he's not, not, not even a bit is forming? <laughs> that means there's a problem. Yes, Pastor. Yes. Babies are adorable, but, but it stops being adorable at some point. You understand, right? There comes the time when that's, a baby's behavior then it's not adorable anymore. They even start imitating you. By now you should know this. <laughs> so you have to grow. You have to grow. We can't carry you in prayer forever. 
There comes a point when prayer becomes your responsibility and you begin to carry other people. There comes a, po a point when studying the scriptures is a responsibility. You begin to study it because you know that you studying means other people benefiting. Are we together? Yes. So there is ministry that you have to, you have to fulfill. Praise God. Yeah. So he says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, fro and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see, the world has got strange doctrines. Very strange. Very, very strange. Don't, don't be one of those who just gives in to all the doctrines you hear in this world. Praise the Lord. Yes. So the key there that we'll look at is the work of ministry. The work of ministry. God has actually called us for the work of ministry. When you read the Bible, you will notice that the Christian or a believer is actually called an ambassador. You will notice that the Christian actually has, every Christian is a missionary. Praise God. That means you're on a mission. You're on an assignment. When you're a missionary and you're sent somewhere, you don't go there with your own agenda. You don't go there with your own message. A missionary is sent with a particular message and they must preach that message and that message alone. An ambassador is sent on behalf of the whole nation and they carry the voice of the whole nation, not just, the, not just their own voice. When they speak, they don't speak on their own accord, they speak on behalf of everyone. For example, if the U.S. ambassador issues a statement concerning elections in Zambia, it's as though the entire U.S. has spoken. It's not just one person who speaks. They speak on behalf of the whole nation. Praise God. The Bible calls us ambassadors. And see, we have a mission in this world. And the greatest mission every believer has is soul winning. That's the greatest mission every believer has. Every believer must be a soul winner. And it's something that you must, you, 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 you must know how to win it. So you must know how to preach the gospel of Jesus. Praise God. You must know how to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something? The gospel of Jesus is not repent or you go to hell. I know I've, yeah, they, most, most of you thought like that. That's what the gospel of Jesus. Because what's good news about sending you to hell? It's not. The gospel of Jesus is you preaching his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And you teach people that actually Jesus paid the price for everything they ever did. And therefore, if they accept him, they no longer have to live the way they are living. They no longer have to walk the way they are walking. Jesus Christ carried it all on the cross for them. All they have to do is believe in him and they receive eternal life. Praise God. Yes. So every believer has got an assignment. You have to know the gospel. What have you believed? What have you believed about Jesus? What have you believed about, about, about the kingdom? I was teaching someone just this week and I was explaining to them to say, the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter number 6, verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then it says, And all these things will be added unto you. That's what the Bible says, right? And they, began, they asked me a question. They said, um, But I'm, I'm, I'm born again. How am I supposed to seek the kingdom? I told them to say, When Jesus was trying to teach about the kingdom there, or rather, when Jesus, what Jesus was trying to teach you there is one important principle. Number one, I'll mention two things there. The first principle that you must actually learn from that scripture is that your mind, your heart, your soul, everything about you must be about the kingdom. Only then 
can all these other things be added? <coughs> because anyone can just say, Lord Jesus, I believe. And they end there, right? There are some actually even go back, eh? They give their life to Christ and take it back, eh? <laughs> but then, everything about you must be about the kingdom. That means Jesus was trying to teach in that, in, in that scripture to actually be kingdom-minded. He was trying to teach that don't be aware or don't be concerned about what the, believe, the unbelievers are concerned about. Don't have concern in this world. Your concern should be the kingdom. If you take up the kingdom as a concern, the rest will be added because the Father will have concern over you. Are we together? You must be kingdom-minded. You must be kingdom-minded as a believer. Very important. So Jesus sent the, the disciples, for example, in, in, in Matthew chapter number 10, verse 1. Every believer is actually a, a, a missionary. You're a missionary Christian. Praise God. You are a believer on an assignment. You're a believer with a mission. You're a believer with a message. Matthew 10, verse 1, the Bible says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him. Now, the 12 disciples are simply a picture of what Jesus wanted to do with the church. The 12 disciples are simply a picture of Christ in his relationship with the church. Praise the Lord. He says, and when he had called the 12 disciples to him, he says, he gave them power over unclean spirits. Have you seen that? He says, he gave them what? Over unclean spirits. He says, to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and diseases. Have you seen that? He gave them power. Now, where was the power? In his words. Hmm. When he spoke to them, power was released. The power is in the sending. That means when you are sent and you respond, power is automatically activated. I don't know if you understand that. It means the power is actually in the words. When he said go, everything that is required for you to fulfill that assignment is actually found in that instruction. You don't look for anything else outside what, 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 what God has given. What God has said. Are you listening? It's in the word. When he said go, you go. The moment you start off. When, when, Jesus, when Jesus sent them two by two, 70, sent them two by two in, in, in Luke chapter number 10, he told them not, not, to, not to carry food. You know this, right? He told them, go on your journey. Just go on your journey. Now, I want you to think about it. If, you're, if, if you were among them, he tells you, go to every city. Don't carry any supplies. Says, go. Don't carry money. He just says, go. <laughs> first, the first question, where am I going to sleep? That should be the first question you ask yourself, right? But then, everything you require is in that go. As long as it is needed for your assignment. As long as it is required for your purpose. When you respond. You see, that's why it's a calling. When you are called, you have to answer. Yes. <laughs> no calling fulfills itself. <laughs> no assignment fulfills it. You have to respond to him. That means when you are praying, you are, it's a response to him. When you, whatever it is you are doing, it's a response. You have to respond to God is calling you right now. Are you responding? There are people who pray, God use me. But when he's calling, they, don't, they, they just shy away. How is he going to use you? When, when he's calling you to preach the person next to you on the bus, they're just shy. 
I mkae ni introvert. You just can't talk. I'm talking to you. You're just shy. You have to respond. Me is how I am. That's how you are. He can, you don't have code if that's how you were. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. You have to respond. Says he gave them power. Now, when he gave them power, did they, did they feel the power in their bodies? No. <laughs> did they fall under the power of God when he gave them power? No. They sensed nothing. They probably felt nothing, right? Just let them go. Says I've given you power. Do you know do you know do you, do you know why they had confidence to respond is because power is in the one who calls not the one who responds It's about the one who calls not the one who responds it Says I am the Lord is there anything too hard for me that's the one who called you <laughs> It's in the one who actually calls So you have to respond You have to respond If you don't respond to the assignment God has for you, you just end up living for yourself. You end up living like everyone else. You know? You go to school, get a job afterwards. Buy a house in 10 miles. <laughs> Or 15 miles. <laughs> Build a three bedroom house, buy a dog and then die. <laughs> That's a Zambian dream, eh? <laughs> buy a Japan vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> If the Lord is even gracious to you, just marry a wife. <laughs> If the Lord is gracious. <laughs> See, you can't you can't live just like every other person. No, you can't. You have to know that there's an assignment. See, I I'm, I remember telling someone say, look, the reason why I can't be at a place where I, I'm not making money is because I have ministry. We are at the point where see, we make money for me, we don't make money for ourselves. On our own we are okay. Yes. You understand, right? You think differently. So don't just fight poverty. <laughs> Seek to know the things that God wants you to do and begin to do it. Begin to do it. Respond. When you sense that God is leading you in a particular direction, begin to respond and you must respond promptly. You must be in a hurry to respond. Are we together? You must be in a hurry to respond. You must be excited. You must be in a hurry to respond. When you read, when you, there's a, there's a scripture I, I love. One, it's one scripture people have abused. John chapter number five, verse 19. Tell your neighbor, respond to God's call. Respond to God's call. Yes. John chapter number five, verse 19. The Bible says, then Jesus answered and said to them, are you together? John 5, 19. Says, then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Now most people talk about the scripture and, and, and talk about spiritual fathers. Talking about God the Father. <laughs> I, only see, I only do what I see my father do. That's, that's, that's just talking about God the Father. <laughs> Not your spiritual father. <laughs> Let's not abuse scriptures here. <laughs> Are we together? Yes. yes. <laughs> Find other scriptures if you're going to use to, if you're going to decide to copy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He says, 
most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. That, what he was trying to say there in that moment, he was trying to say he draws from God. He says he can do nothing of himself. He says, but what he sees the father do, hallelujah, for whatever he does, the father also does in like manner. I don't know if you understand what the Bible is trying to teach you there. So whatever, whatever the Father does, let me teach you, let me give an example. For Jesus to heal the sick, he had to see the Father heal them first. For him to raise the dead, he had to see the Father raise them first. And because he saw it, therefore he knew he could do it in like manner. That means his eyes were fixed on the works of the Father. Are we together? His eyes were fixed on the works of the Father. That means he demonstrated power not by himself alone. He knew the Father could do it. He goes on to say, For the Father loves the Son, that's verse 20, and shows him all things. Hallelujah. Says so shows him all things that he himself does. I mean, the life of Jesus was full of visions. <laughs> and then he says, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. <laughs> Praise God. And then verse 21 says, for as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even the son gives life to whom he will. <laughs> that means... Jesus actually saw the father do it first before he could even raise Lazarus from the dead. He just didn't wake up and said, today we're going to raise the dead. <laughs> today we're going to wake up. No, he saw the father do it. Now, the reason I'm teaching you this is because one time I was meditating on this and, he, and the Lord told me something. He said, you see, the way Jesus, the way the father was to Jesus, that's how Jesus has become unto us. That means we only do the thing that we see Jesus do. <laughs> we do it in like manner. That means Jesus showed us how the Father is. Jesus showed us the power of the Father. He showed us the works of the Father. And he began to do it so that we can also do it. Because remember, Jesus was actually the firstborn in the family of God. That means we could function in that manner, in that light. Our calling is not something small, not something little. Jesus sent them so they could actually, they, they could, they could actually raise the dead. He told them that they could heal the sick. He gave them power over all unclean spirits. So the Bible records. Therefore, they could function in power. There is no assignment without the power of God. And any assignment God has given you, the power of God is there. That's something you must understand. You must be conscious of it. And you see, it may, look, it, it may not look spiritual to everyone else, but if God has given the assignment, the power of God is there. You speak by the power of God. You talk by the power of God. Praise God. You have an assignment from on high, from above. And you must be conscious of it. I do that which I see my father do. <laughs> Praise God. If I see my father do it, I'm going to do it. That means I love like my father. <laughs> I talk like him. I think like him. I create like him. I see like him. I heal like him. Praise God. I have, I have authority over all devils like he does. I function like him. Praise God. Yes, I pray like he prayed. <laughs> you have a greater assignment. Don't just live for yourself. Don't just live for yourself. Praise God. 
Yes, don't just live for yourself. There's a great assignment. That means you must begin to pray like a person in ministry. How do you think a minister prays? Pray like that. Because God has actually called you into ministry. God has called you with an assignment. Pray like a person in ministry. Pray like, see, you must pray like the, like, like the whole ministry depends on you. Think like a person in ministry. Talk like a person in ministry. Are we together? How is your prayer life? You who is a minister. How do you pray? When was the last time you prayed for others? I'm talking about intercession. Not just praying about, no, God, consume us with fire. Lord, we want to burn for you. No, yeah, we can burn for him, but when was the last time you actually knelt down and you were praying for other people? We want to see, Lord. We want to see visions. We want to... <laughs> when was the last time you actually went in prayer and spent quality time you're praying over someone? Do you know that when you're praying for people, you, you, you have no time to gossip about them? Some of you, the reason why God doesn't reveal certain things about people, because you, you gossip about them. See, God doesn't gossip with you. He reveals things so that you can help someone. No, God will never gossip about you. If God is telling you about someone, he's just gossiping with you. No, he's not. There are certain people whom the Lord talks to me about, but I can't, I can't, he has to tell me, okay, don't talk to them yet, they'll be, they'll be afraid. Wait. <laughs> and then you wait. But he informs you such you're ready. When something happens, you're ready. There are very few things that shocks me. <laughs> something catches you unaware. <laughs> <laughs> when you fellowship with the Father, He begins to reveal certain things. You do the things that is, you see the Father do. Praise God. So, the things you do, have you seen the Father do them? The things you do, have you seen the Father do them? No, you who hate someone, have you seen the Father do that? Naturally, just hate someone naturally. If you. <laughs> Just don't like them. And this includes even your to my exes. Why do you hate them? No, let's, let me talk to you. Because we just dated. No, where did you get the ability to even hate? Because things didn't work out. You hate someone. How many people have rejected God and then hate them? <laughs> so people even died for. <laughs> he was a brother. One rejection. <laughs> one rejection. You have, you have a theme, fear women. One rejection. <laughs> one. <laughs> you are fearing the whole gender. <laughs> 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 I don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the thing you do, who taught you how to do it? Where did you see it? Is it in God? The feelings you have. Is it in God? Did you see him do that? God loves everyone. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Even, see, sometimes I, 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 I laugh 
when I hear a painter praying for someone to die, these are people Jesus loves, eh? See, you may pray for them to die, but Jesus loves them. Their enemy, they're not his enemy. <laughs> Jesus loves them. That's why the person you like, God will still bless them. You don't like them, eh? But God will even increase them. <laughs> At work, even like a promotion, that very week when you hit them. <laughs> because God is not like man. Yes. God doesn't even want grudges. No, last week I told you to pray, he didn't pray, therefore, hang. <laughs> He's not like that. Mm-hmm. Praise God. I know we're I know we all growing and we're all, um, we're all trying to get to a certain place in the faith. But always remember, however, however you respond to circumstances, think about it. Have you seen the Father do it like that? Always ask yourself that question. Have you seen the Father do it like that? Praise God. Yes. You who praise, why do you pray the way you do? What's your motive? What's your motive? And sometimes people get disappointed because they've got wrong motives. Yes. So check your heart. Check your heart. Tell your neighbor, check your heart. (laughs) Very important. Very important. Check your heart. Your motives must be very... Must be, must be genuine. Must be genuine motives. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes. So do the things that you've only seen Jesus do. That means Jesus is our greatest role model. We do the things that he does. We love like him. We talk like him. We think like him. Amen. We function like him. We are created in the likeness of the Father. Therefore, we walk, we, we, we walk like him. Praise God. When you read uh, John again, chapter number 20, verse, verse 21, it's one of my favorite portions of scripture. John 20, verse 21, the Bible says, so Jesus said to them, peace to you. It says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. I don't know if you realize what he did in this scripture. He says, as the Father has sent me, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know what he was trying to say there? He was trying to say, with the same authority the Father has sent me, with the same power, with the same glory, with the same anointing. That's why I'm telling you, look, Jesus was not, was not any more equipped than the believer is today. Jesus was any not, we are as equipped as he was because we've been given the work of ministry. As the Father sent him, he's also sent us in the same might, in the same power. As the Father, see, the key is in responding. The key is in your response. How are you responding to this call? How are you saying, as the Father has said, I send you. That means you are the sent one. That means you are the sent one. When you came into this one, you came on a mission. You've been sent. See, when you, when, when you go somewhere and you've been sent, do you go there with your own agendas? No. You know that you, you're not supposed to come back unless you're done with everything you've been sent, right? Now, in this world, you've been, you've been sent by Jesus. As the Father has said, I send you as well. As he has sent me. How was Jesus sent? Firstly, he was sent by the Spirit. <laughs> that means he was given the Holy Ghost. The Father said, look, here's the fullness of the Spirit. All the prophets never had the fullness of the Spirit. They had the Spirit of God in a measure, but Jesus carried the fullness of the Spirit of God. Because he, he required it. He had to function in the fullness of the Spirit. Are we together? Are we together? So he was sent by the fullness of the, of the Spirit. That means Jesus was actually the custodian of all grace. Oh, grace. That means he was full of grace. (laughs) He was full of grace. He was full of grace. Because grace came by him, that's what the Bible says. 
That means his appearance was an appearance of grace. How could he, how could he not heal? No, how could devils not be subjected to him? When the apostles realized what they had gotten, they ceased to function like ordinary men. They couldn't pray like ordinary men. No. They couldn't live like ordinary men. Praise God. No, they couldn't live like that. Can I tell you something? You can't be bound. No, you can't be bound. That means Satan can't keep you in chains. He can't keep you in chains. You must be conscious of the fact that Jesus has sent me. How, how, can, how can someone be sent? And while they are sent there, Satan keeps them in prison. When they've been given all the power, all the authority. Do you know that when you're a diplomat, you can't be arrested in a particular nation? Are you aware? When you're a diplomat. Oh, some of you don't know what a diplomat is, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you look lost. <laughs> the nation that sent you that sent you can arrest you. But in that nation, I'll give you an example. The American ambassador can be arrested in Zambia. No matter what he does. <laughs> he can never speed in Varasta or just look at the number plate. <laughs> <laughs> All they can do is just talk to him. They can't detain him. They can't touch him. Do you know why? Because he's an ambassador. That means when he's moving, America is moving. Let me explain something. <laughs> you don't understand what I just said. Then. If you go, for example, if this was the U.S. embassy where we're, where we're on, it's as good as being in the U.S., you are in Zambia, but then you have the privileges of those in the U.S. That means, for example, if right now I was being chased and I ran to an, to, to an, to an embassy, they can't enter and just arrest me. They have to take me out first. Because arresting me means I'll be arrested in another country. Didn't get that. <laughs> those are just simple things. Now, when the Bible tells you Jesus has sent you, <laughs> You are from another world. You've come into this world. When Jesus said you are not of this, what do you think he meant? He says you are in this world, but you are not of it. That means you are not a, you are not a part of it. So it means a, a diplomat doesn't get paid in the currency of that nation. <laughs> you didn't hear that. They don't get paid in the currency of that nation. They get paid according to the currency of where they're coming from. You've been sent by God. You are in this world, but you're not of it. You don't belong to this world. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you, can, you see, you can't live. For you to live as the person that God has called you to, you have to stop thinking like them. You understand, right? You have to stop thinking like them. You, if, you, if you think like them, you will live like them. If you talk like them, you will live like them. One time, there was a conversation in the scripture. The disciples were talking about feeding people. Remember that, right? They were acknowledging that there was lack. 
a man from another dimension. <laughs> a man who was not living like them. Ask them, what do you have? In other words, they, they talked luck. He talked multiplication. There was a difference in, in, in the way he spoke. He didn't talk like them. There was a time he was praying. He took so long that they left him. There was no boat there. What did he do? Walked. He, he, there was a difference in how he, he thought differently. He was, a, he was in this world but living like a man from, like what was coming. He was from above. How could he be hindered by humanity? One time, Mark said, look, these guys can't crucify me. I lay my life down. In other words, they can't, even if they hang me on the cross, they can't do it. <laughs> Don't you remember one time they, they, they wanted to kill him after, after preaching in the temple? They ganged up. The Bible said Jesus actually walked among them and just went. <laughs> they never saw him. <laughs> it wasn't his time. He just walked away. The, one, the man they wanted to kill was there. He was just walking away and they watched him just walk. <laughs> no, you are not here to be afflicted. No, you are not here to be you're not you're not here to be bound to all these chains. You're not here to live like every other man or like every other woman. No, you're not you're not here for, for, for small, small agendas. No, we are we have the kingdom in mind. We don't just think about Zambia, we think the kingdom. We think about the whole world. We've been sent to the whole world. We have an assignment, and he said, as the Father has sent me. In other words, in the same power that I've been sent, in the same authority that I've been sent, in the same glory that I've been sent, I'm not giving you any less, therefore go. I'm not giving you any less. In the same glory, as the Father has sent me, saying, I, you, I've sent you as well, in the same power. That means if, if I couldn't fail, you're not allowed to fail. If I couldn't, if, if I couldn't be stopped, that means you can't be stopped as well. I don't know if you understand that. You're on a mission. You have ministry to do in this world. How could he give you any less of the Holy Spirit than he gave, than he gave Jesus? <laughs> you have the same Holy Spirit Jesus had today. Do you know why most people don't function in, in, in their calling? It's because most people walk by feelings. They want to feel the anointing. <laughs> you want to feel it. Like you want to feel, if we tell you pray for a person, if you don't feel anything in your hands, if you don't feel it, that means, ah, like, like, you know what I mean? Like you don't just, you must, don't wait until you feel something. What are you waiting to feel? Sometimes people think, sometimes people think God is not in a meeting because they felt nothing. <laughs> because you felt nothing. You are, you are from praying. Because you felt nothing, you think it was, a power, it was a powerful prayer session. Because for you, you define a powerful prayer session by, 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 by shaking. Eh? You want to shake under the power of God. Like when you are praying, you, know, you must, uh, everyone must feel it in their house that you've actually prayed. Who said that's a powerful prayer session? <laughs> Say, I've been sent. <laughs> Say it like you mean it, saying, I've been sent. I've been sent. I'm full of power. I'm full of glory. Just as Jesus walked, 
I walk in the same path. Yes. Those must be your conviction. As the Father sent him, he sent me. That means matters respond to me the way they would respond to him in the now. Praise God. Let me share one last scripture. The, the final thing that I must mention today is that you must walk in your calling with boldness. You must be bold to walk in your calling. Don't wait for feelings. Don't wait to feel the anointing. Don't wait to feel certain things. Jesus already sent you this. The power is in the word, I told you. The power is in the word because he sent you. That's where power lies. Power lies in you. He says you shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. That means you don't wait to feel something in your hands. When the sick are there, put your hands on them. Put your hands on them. The recovery is not, it's not up to you. It's up to him who sent you. Are you following? Has the father sent him? When you read, I said pray for boldness. When you read Acts chapter number, chapter number 4. Acts chapter number 4 verse 29. Acts 4 29. Are we there? The Bible says, Now Lord, they were praying. Alright? Now Lord, Look on their threats. It says, grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. They are prayed. They, are, they prayed for boldness. And grant that with all boldness they may declare your word. That means the assignment you are on. You can't be timid. You can't be. They knew they needed boldness. They had to be bold. Now, how bold are you in preaching the gospel? How bold are you in working in your assignment? I told you, the believers don't call the ministry. That means you have a ministry to fulfill. Oh. All together. <laughs> he says, Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your words. He says, By stretching out your hand to heal. Hallelujah. And the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Look at the, look at the content of their prayer. They were not praying, oh Lord, pay our rent. Oh Lord, pray. That, that, they were not concerned about that because the Bible says, look, seek ye first the kingdom. So the Bible says. That was not their concern. And then he said, and when they had prayed, hallelujah, that's verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were, where they were assembled together was shaken. It was shaken. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. What that means, the prayer of boldness, the answer is the Holy Ghost. The answer to that was the Holy Ghost. Jesus, he answered them by the Holy Ghost. They prayed for boldness and for signs and wonders. Guess what he gave them? The Holy Ghost. Because, see, they, Jesus knew when they had the Holy Ghost, they had everything. They could shake nations with the Holy Ghost. They could move city to city. They would go everywhere and shake every place with the Holy Ghost. That same Holy Spirit that was in them. How can how can He shake the medical field using you? How can He shake the whole nation using you? How can He shake the corporate world using you? How can He shake the political arena using you? The same Holy Ghost, the same Spirit that was in Christ Jesus. Let's be on our feet. Make a declaration. I've received the Spirit. I want you to declare.